Welcome to Pop Culture Happy Hour. High Maintenance is a comedy that started as a web series and has made it to premium cable, specifically HBO. Now in its second season there, it's a loose collection of New York stories tied together by one wandering pot dealer. That dealer, known only as The Guy, visits his customers, sometimes only fleetingly. We get a chance to see what they're doing when they're not buying from it. I'm Glenn Weldon. And I'm Linda Holmes. We're talking about the unconventionally structured, surprisingly warm comedy, High Maintenance, on this week's Pop Culture Happy Hour. Support for this podcast and the following message come from WordPress.com. WordPress.com offers e-commerce options that range from an effective buy button to a complete online store, as well as code-free site building, so you don't need a professional designer to get your website up and running. If you need help, WordPress has a customer support team that is available 24-7. Learn more and get 15% off any new plan purchase at WordPress.com slash happy hour. Welcome back. You just met Glenn Weldon of the NPR Arts Desk. Two of our favorite people are in the studio to talk about high maintenance with us. First, the host of All Things Considered and frequent actual news person, Audie Cornish. Hi, Audie. Hey there. And, of course, Weekend Edition editor, Barry Hardiman. Hey, Barry. Hey there. Such a pleasure to see everybody. Um, Glenn, you were the person who first told me about high maintenance. Uh And you might remember... My reaction was tentative. Uh, to say the least. <laughs> was yes. it a no thank you? I do not love stoner humor. Yeah, yeah. I think we've talked about this many oh. times, you and I, Linda, but I don't think the listeners know. I don't think it's come up on the show. Could you go into your anti-stoner I, comedy It's thing? not. It's, it's anti-stoner comedy, not anti-stoner. I'm not offended by it. I just tend to find it boring. I tend oh, to find... So Broad City, no? Yes. Oh, that's right. Broad City, no. And yes, I tend right. to find things where people sit around a lot getting high and it's just not interesting to me it's like watching a show where people are drunk all the time it's just not interesting to me and I don't particularly like how kind of self-important some people are about like their weed comedy I just don't care (laughs) and I was afraid that that was what this was that this was like I'm just gonna say it Seth Rogen all the time wow no for you Mm -mm. know Doing the version of himself where he's high all the yeah. time. You, you pitched Friday Night Lights to me as, it's not really about football. And you're right, but it's all about football. Uh-huh. Uh, similarly, this isn't that. Mm-hmm. This isn't that sort of comedy, but there's some of that. What I love about the show is uh, how it starts out. You think we're going to be getting caricatures of these New York hipsters. And it always mellows into something, as you said, warmer and more empathetic uh, and just observant. It has an unhurried tone, which I think is kind of where the stoner fit really a very unhurried pace. It does Uh, have an unhurried tone. Yeah, uh, but I just think it is so observant and so quiet that I just just really dig it. Yeah. How about you, Barry? This is one of my favorite things and has been for a long time, like web series. I I adore these people. And, And I think it's gotten really, really good since it moved to HBO. I think it has actually gone up a level. And again, I, what I love is that there's just when you think the show is going to skewer somebody, mm-hmm. it gives them a big warm hug. And there's a sense of place. I mean, it, uh, it is a love letter to Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. You know, you see the the same street artist. You see yeah. the, you know, the places you're going. In many ways, Brooklyn is a character in the show. <laughs> <laughs> just a place for me. Mm-hmm. But, but it also 
could also, as much as it is, you know, that feels more like a color to me. It's not, it could also take place anywhere because it is just like, I know people keep saying this, but it is this sort of anthology of short stories. And there are so many moments where I have found myself, you know, because it is full of one-liners and many of the one-liners are stoner Mm one-liners. But uh, there are many, many times where I have found myself like choking up, which is not at all what I think one would expect from from it. Yeah. How about you, Adi? What do you think? I had heard of the web series but never watched it. And when it came on HBO, I didn't watch it for a while. And so I'm I'm coming to it as like the consumer who is seeing the sort of prestige product after Uh all the work has been put in. And I did really enjoy it. I don't think it's as warm as Barry is saying. Like, I've had moments where I thought, this is bittersweet. And depending on the episode, is it more bitter or is it more oh, sweet? Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And the opening of this season is very incisive, very sharp. And if anything, kind of takes a razor mm-hmm. to <laughs> the people they know and love in their Brooklyn, New York community, like politically. Right. For people who are watching it, it's a kind of post-election episode. Oh. Um, and it's not a spoiler alert <laughs> to mm-hmm. say people in Brooklyn were unhappy. <laughs> and this really, really, um, really mocks them very <laughs> seriously. That is so for interesting. It. I did not think. I, I thought did it you was. Thought that was a loving. I thought it was any nine yeah. eleven. I thought I, it I, was. I didn't any, think it was the election. They, they and in did. fact, I, they intentionally I made felt it that vague. that was intentionally right. that way. Yeah. I think there are a couple. I actually of loved that it was so big. I think there are a couple of things where. It seems like maybe it could be, but it also seems like maybe it isn't. And I think that whatever you think it is, I think Audie is right that their responses to it are being kind of critiqued as sort of somewhat understandable and yet useless in a way. Yes, yes. But just to give another example, in a later episode, there are some conversations with some young feminists that oh. are also satirical. Right. You know, they know the second these episode. people well, and yeah. that is why they are able to make the jokes they can they make They skewer liberal it. culture in a particular exactly. way. Exactly. I, and I found that very intriguing about mm-hmm. the series in general. Yeah, mm-hmm. but there is one episode from the first HBO season called Selfie uh, about this blogger who's oh. addicted to social media, which, which is the only time I thought the series was a little tone deaf. It felt like it was being made by some middle-aged studio guys who were making fun of millennials. It just mm-hmm. There wasn't much there beneath the she's addicted to social media. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you have an episode with uh, with the dog. Love the episode with the dog. Oh, that was a great, that was a great, wonderful The dog episode. is very... Yeah, the, yeah, I loved it. There's a whole episode that's essentially told from the point of view of a dog. Mm-hmm. In the first uh, season. In the first yeah, season, yeah. whose owner kind of makes friends with, originally kind of makes friends with a dog walker. And it seems maybe like it's going to turn into like a guy and dog walker romantic comedy, mm. but it's not that. No. And it's just uh, so gorgeous, yeah. And there is an episode from this season called Scrumple, I think, oh. um, where the guy has an accident and he's in the hospital and he bonds with what we find out is his ex-wife. They never actually signed the divorce papers. Mm-hmm. But that episode starts out as stoner comedy, as he's on drugs. <laughs> he's in a funny? hospital. Yeah, and then we find out that what this is doing is it's serving a purpose. It's it's their bond is the drugs that they do. We get a really good picture of how their relationship worked and what it was like. And the the entire series is really about loneliness and yeah. what people do to avoid it. And that really brought that home. Then the next episode when he is uh, he can't make his rounds and he's forced to spend a day alone uh, starts out with just 
there is stoner comedy. There is like, I'm high and it's kicking in. <laughs> and, and, and you just kind of settle in your chair like, I, I've seen this before. But uh-huh. then it goes somewhere. It's What it's, it's doing, it's exposing his loneliness. But and to exactly, go back to the ex-wife for a second, yeah. that's kind of the Jerry Orbach moment. Mm-hmm. You know how law and order is basically a procedural and you don't know mm-hmm. anything until all of a sudden someone does something. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he's an alcoholic. Right. Yeah. <laughs> what his daughter? His daughter? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, and yeah, then yeah. you go back to the crimes. And because this is an anthology, you're in these other worlds. You're in these other worlds. You don't know much about him and then every once in a while they'll take a a little bit of time in some moment to reveal something about him and it can be very affecting yeah to the liberal culture thing because i agree with you i think it's come a long way i think the um actually that very episode with the women and the snake which is Mm -hmm. amazing for comedy and ben sinclair trying to both and the plot Not, of this episode is there's a women's meetup, yes. and they're talking about just being feminist and right. women only, and, uh, and a snake s- holding, has escaped yes. in the building. But more than that, Ben Sinclair has come to deliver weed, and he's a man. Mm-hmm. And so there is this acting, which is really astounding, where he's trying to both be, the, a gun appears, but where he's trying to avoid a gun, but also not take up too much space as a guy, mm-hmm. which yeah. is just, he does this amazing thing. But that, but excuse me, what I wanted to say is that that episode is also juxtaposed with the the parents that come to visit the daughter. That is one of those things where instead of skewering millennials, because there's a lot of millennial stuff in there, she's she has gotten this Airbnb for her parents and it's dirty and messy and there's a snake, <laughs> um, you know, who is Chekhov's snake who appears in the later episode with a gun. But there's such an even-handed, loving skewering of both the millennials and the boomers, the boomers who don't really understand their daughter and where she's living and what her life is like, but know they have to keep a foot in. And there are things they have in common, like the weed. But that was one of those things where I thought, oh, this is more than just a a poke at a certain kind of Brooklyn culture. This is like a, this is actually a thing about parenting and generations that is saying something kind of profound and warm, I thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is warm, but I also think one of the challenges for me is that it is so bleak in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, when Glenn said it's about loneliness, Glenn's kind of like, it's about loneliness, awesome. And I'm kind of <laughs> like, it's about loneliness all the time. Right? <laughs> and, you know, in a lot of ways, that character of the guy is... All of his relationships are, are literally transactional, right? In, mm-hmm. in, a, in a literal sense, but also in the way in which people mean that when they say all of his relationships are with people who only call him when they want something. Mm-hmm. Like nobody ever, you really never, and I, I won't say never, but you incredibly rarely see him talking to anyone who got in touch with him mm-hmm. just because I like you and I want to hang out with you. Even arguably the ex-wife. Yeah. It's, in it, this it, very pivotal moment, mm-hmm. she shows up because she kind of wanted some weed. Mm. And he was in the right. hospital. And, and he, remember, he's texting yeah. everybody trying to get help and he can't. Yeah. I think the bleakness of his life mm-hmm. is kind of the center of the show in this very particular way. And at the same time, you know, when you talk about the stuff about kind of Brooklyn hip liberals and all that stuff... I also think it's important to keep in mind that this is a very specific slice of weed culture, right? Mm -hmm. This is weed culture for people who don't worry that much about getting arrested, getting stopped, suffering consequences. He is a big-time weed dealer. Mm -hmm. He deals a lot of weed. And probably were his circumstances different and he were a guy who couldn't just wheel around Brooklyn on a bike with a backpack all day long without anybody bothering him the stakes for him would be very different. This is a very specific slice of weed culture. Like, this is not everybody, you know, this is not everybody's drug experience. That's true. One of the things I like is that from time to time you see 
you see how casual people are in circumstances where you might expect them to be less casual. You know, parents with their kids. Yes, or, yeah, yeah. You know, where they, they make it clear that this is a slice of, of culture where technically it's illegal. So when you text them, you just say, can you hang mm-hmm. instead of can I buy some weed? Because it's illegal. But they're not very worried about it. There's a moment in the episode where he is, he's relinquished his route to this uh, Uber driver, I think. <laughs> the Uber driver just wants to park in front of somebody's house and have them come out into the car and buy there. And he says, yeah, but then you miss seeing everybody's homes. That's kind of the best part. Yeah. And you're like, oh, well, there's the organizing principle of the show. There's, there's <laughs> the entire, there's the show right there. Right, that, right, right. It is kind of the best part to have these very varied stories of a very thin slice of, mm-hmm. of life. But the other thing is that we keep meeting the same people over and over mm-hmm. again, as you would. All these characters from the web episodes, mm-hmm. many of them have come into the series, even if it's just glancingly. You see a glimpse of Dan Stevens, who did a really great web, web episode. And uh, Michael Cyril Crichton, who we've talked about on the show before, he had an episode back in the web series called Patrick, which is about an agoraphobic dude. Oh. And it's just so funny and so heartbreaking. Mm. And he comes back and gets a little bit of closure. Now, he wrote that episode of the web series himself. Mm. Uh, and he didn't write this episode that was just, uh, in the, I think, at the end of the first season on HBO. But it's so great to be able to see these people that you recognize come back, revisit, even if they're just on the periphery. It's uh, It adds to this sense of community, this feeling of, of everybody's in this together. I was just going to add, I know you guys probably have talked about this before, but I really want to take a moment and praise like the anthology show movement. Mm. Yeah. Love it. I love it because sometimes I don't want to puzzle through mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be in a slow building atmospheric show. <laughs> I don't Mm-mm. have the time or wherewithal. No, and I want to see a lot of different faces. Yeah. I love that like in praise of character actors getting these amazing tiny roles. Mm-hmm. Like it's so wonderful to see this huge array of people. Yeah. Which is another reason to, for sure, to and watch. really good, really naturalistic acting. Beautiful nobody's acting. pushing, nobody's Mm-mm. pushing, nobody's going too big. And that's because you you make it in New York. You have this, these teeming hordes of yeah. unemployed actors who are just ready to jump in. But it's it's one of the standpoints of the show is, is I, how good the acting is. I feel like there, that maybe the way you feel about this series, not whether you like it or not, but whether you feel that it is like about loneliness or if it's about how to solve loneliness <laughs> For me, I don't like this is not the leftovers of comedy. You know, this is not about grief so much as it's about reaching out for Mm -hmm. me, I think. And the relationships that matter, whether they are cultural or familial or sometimes transactional. So for me, it's funny. It's interesting to hear you all talk about this. There are certainly episodes that are harder to watch than others. I feel like it's a kind of in the end, it's a fairly uplifting Series? Am I? I never feel bad at the end. I never feel It's really never, this ever, is such ever. A, I am a Pollyanna. It's really... weed watcher, <laughs> guys. I was high when I watched. I was it gonna. All. I didn't want to say it. So <laughs> you know how this no. affects it's the really, It's it is really interesting to hear you say that because to me it is. What it is for me is a really good show about extraordinarily lonely people most of the time. As I said, I enjoy it and can watch it on that basis, but not a whole lot of it at the same time, which is another... Oh, yeah, I don't think I would... It would be hard to binge. Which is another reason why I like the anthology Mm -hmm. setup for it, because you don't... If you're interested in this show and you want to try it, 
find one of the ones that we're talking about and just watch one. You don't have to go back to the beginning. Right. You will. He doesn't remember anything that's ever happened that's to him. That's certainly so. true. <laughs> that's not true. Yeah, but, but, but you don't have to go back to the beginning and excavate some long backstory with a ton of references and cross-references and all that stuff. If you do, as Glenn said, you will see people appear yeah, and reappear. Yeah. But I think they do a good job of making that a payoff if you do it, but not a problem if you don't do it. Mm. Like, I had no idea that people viewed this as such a... Ble- I will be very interested to see folks listening think, what you think. I think it's both. I think everyone's right. And one of the things about it is it is so... It feels so personal and specific in its viewpoint. Mm-hmm. Um it's created by uh, Ben Sinclair and Katya Blickfeld, and they created it. To me, it it follows in that tradition of the kind of Atlanta and and Louis yes. and these very personal and, and insecure right. and yeah. these these very singular worldviews worldviews that define what those shows are like. Where they're not trying to be all things to all people, they're trying to look at the world in a very specific way. And what separates this one is the anthology business. And I think one of the things that I admire about it so much is that they're doing an anthology, but a lot of anthology shows, if you look back at like The Twilight Zone and Mm -hmm. stuff like that, they are plot driven, right? Because you are trying to hook people in the length of an Mm -hmm. anthology episode. You're hooking people with a riddle or a mystery or a what's the end plot point going to be. It is really a high wire act to try to hook people on an anthology series <laughs> yeah. where it is 90% character, yeah, character that studies. you're supposed mm-hmm. to get to know. In that period of time, these episodes are, are half hour long. Mm-hmm. And in that period of time, often you get more than one story. Mm-hmm. And so in 12 or 13 minutes, and sometimes less than that, there's one that's very short where a guy tries to quit the internet. And mm-hmm. it's very oh. short. And not a lot like happens mm-hmm. in one way. A lot happens, I guess. But in that very short time, they're trying to get you invested in the person, not in a whodunit or a what's the kind of Rod Serling catch at the end mm-hmm. of the episode, but in the person and in what's going to happen to them. All right. Uh, well, let us know what you think. Uh, find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash PCHH or tweet at us at PCHH. I also want to know if anyone out there has ever been the recipient and or also done the accidental love you by. Because I feel like I really want to say that that's the thing I've done quite often. shaking her head. Nope. Well, Glenn would never do that. No, I would never do that. That's not a Glenn. (laughs) Just, I cannot. Not a Glenn or an Audi. Jessica, no. I'm looking in the control room. She's like, nope. I have to remember to say it to my family. So sure, maybe I'm biased. There. But I thought that was I mean, just boy. one of the saddest things I've ever seen. I, I, I say it to the I say it to the new dog, and I only met him two days ago. <laughs> so go. All right. Uh, well, let us know what you think. Uh, find us on Facebook at facebook.com/pchh or tweet at us at pchh. I am so glad that we got a chance to talk about this because it was a deeper thing than I thought it was going to be. When I thought it was yep. going to be a bunch of four twenty. You jokes. thought it was Cheech and Chong, mm-hmm. neither Cheech you. nor Chong. Shut Th- up. Thank you for getting me to watch this, Glenn. You can follow Barry at B Hardyman. You can follow Audie at NPR Audie. And of course, thank you for listening. If you have a second and you're so inclined, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts. That will help more folks to find the show and it will help us to defeat our enemies. We'll be back here on Friday for our annual check-in on the happenings at this year's South by Southwest. Thanks, you guys. Thank you. Thank you. you. Love you. Bye. We'll see you then. 
Hello, just dropping in to remind you about Here and Now. We cover the day's most essential news with context so you know the why and what's next. A fast-paced snapshot of the world every day. Listen to Here and Now on NPR One or wherever you listen to podcasts.